Welcome to Voices on Aging. I'm Jane Muzzard, Chief Executive of Coder SA. Finding things to do that are fun, that keep us moving, that use our brains and that keep us in touch with others are very important at every age, including as we get older. In Voices on Aging, we introduce you to people sharing their personal stories and their experiences as they build connections at different points in their lives. Over this series, we'll hear from guests about how they've connected with life and their community, how they've overcome challenges, and what helped them succeed. If you or someone you know is feeling stuck or disconnected, or you're looking for some inspiration, then this is the podcast for you. Coder SA is an older people's movement. Our purpose is to promote the rights, interests and futures of South Australians as we age. Find out more by calling us on 8232 or having a look at our website, coderessa.org.au. In episode one, Marg bravely shares her experience of memory loss. For her, connecting with Coder SA volunteer Lywoon was a major turning point. It helped her pull herself up and out of her chair and face the anxiety she was feeling as her memory became less reliable. Marg's journey may be difficult, but she's taking positive steps to shine a light on what is possible as she gets on with the rest of her life. G'day, I'm Marg Hypesha. Well, it's lovely to be here in your home with your incredible views. (laughs) It must be amazing to see the seasons come in and the light change. Oh, it's lovely. And seeing the sunset over the ocean is a real treat. Mm. And that's nice because it's a daily treat. So we're going to get started by understanding you and your story with a bit of a milestone moment. Mm -hmm. And you've got a big one. I've got a big one. So how about you let us know about that milestone memory of yours? All right. Well, the biggest milestone in my life has to be coming to Australia. I was 23 years old. I was just finishing university and there were no jobs for baby boomers because the only thing a woman could do in the late 60s was be a secretary, a nurse, or a teacher. And so they had lots of all of those, but then the baby boomer kids had moved out of school, so the teachers didn't have anyone to teach. And I uh, had several attempts at finding jobs all over, and finally I said, I'm going to have to go to Alaska or Australia. And within a few days, I saw a little notice, a little A4 notice on a notice board at uni saying, Looking for a job teaching? Come to Australia. So basically all I had to do was sign up and show them some documents. Next thing I knew, I was on a plane over here. (laughs) So 23 years of age, on a plane to Australia. Uh And what was your notion of Australia then? I hadn't the slightest idea. On the way to the interview, I I did have an interview. They just wanted to see that I was literate. And that was it. There were 100 teachers on the airplane coming over. And we landed. They put us to work for the Victorian Education Department. Gave us an introduction. And then we were in front of our classes within seven days. Which was also a bit of a shock. (laughs) But the highlight of that experience has to be on day two when I had my first cappuccino. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. (laughs) I could not believe how good the coffee is. So then you were in Victoria. Yeah. 
but ended up in South Australia. So yeah. when did you come across? Well, uh, my, my initial contract was for 18 months in Victoria. And at the end of that, I just decided that I had seen a big city very nicely, but I hadn't seen Australia. So I saw an ad come and teach in Darwin. So once again, I went to room 2B and ended up in Darwin. And that just blew my mind. And next was Tassie, just in time for the Darwin cyclone. Right. So uh, my housemate and I were on a uh, trip down to Tassie where she lived. And we turned on the news and saw our what was left of our flat with the roof blown off oh. and the walls standing. And uh, so that was all very exciting. So we went back and helped clean up. And then they stashed us in Tasmania again for another six months before they brought us back permanently. Because mm, that was a really devastating. Cyclone Tracy was very devastating. Oh, it was. Yeah, it knocked every house down. Mm. So we were in shared accommodation for a couple of years after that. But Darwin was thrilling. And as a young woman running around the Northern Territory, yee-haw, you know, let's go here, let's go there. We had motorbikes and it was just fun, just fun. So then from there was South Australia next? Yeah, no. Eight years after I'd been in Australia, I decided to go back and try out the States. And that lasted almost two years before I realized there was no place I'd rather be than anywhere in Australia as opposed to anywhere in the States. <laughs> but uh, so I came back to South Australia and I've been in South Australia ever since, since 1982, I think. And I love it. Yeah. And so in 1982, were you here? Because the bushfires came through in 83. That's exactly right. I was in Adelaide. And as a matter of fact, after the bushfires burnt out a friend of mine, but she was all right, but she had a mother cat with a litter of kittens. So I had some sizzled kittens to look after. Mm. Well, that was big. That was a big thing. Oh, it was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you've been here teaching. Yes. And then... Recently retired? Yeah, I retired about five years ago. I still ran a few workshops for various clients until about two years ago. And then I had a scare with my brain, uh, mild cognitive impairment, they call it. I had started to forget things and lose words and phrases and lose specific memories. And I was very, very worried about it. And then one day when I was delivering a workshop, I forgot something. Now, I can't remember how I covered my back, but then I quit work. And then I fell into a bit of a heap, really. I was terrified about losing my brains because my brain and my mouth are what I live on. <laughs> so um, I, I became addicted to my recliner. I think it's called reclineritis, isn't it? <laughs> I think we can go, you can call it what you want. We, we get that idea. So, yeah, I mean, that's scary. That's scary. Well, it is scary, and I wasn't sure uh, how it would affect things. And I had a number of scary moments, like forgetting my middle name, forgetting my sister's name, you know, ending up on the wrong side of the road. So I had some serious frights. And I think my biggest challenge was that I couldn't get diagnosed for a couple of years, and uh, I didn't know how it was going to go. I was scared I was going to end up in one of those nursing homes where they don't treat you very well. I was, I was really down as a result of it. And I was wobbly, and my balance was off, 
and everything. So I had to start from scratch. So worrying about my health, um, all I wanted to do was sleep. Um, I fortunately found a Strength for Life that Kota runs. And so I started doing a variety of just physical exercises. And I think that's probably what kept me around, or, or at well, least from outside. From really falling into From really depression. falling, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was depressed, but I drag myself out of bed and go to those things. So I discovered that if I have an appointment, I keep it. So, mm. And so what was the strength for life? What were those classes? What were you doing in those? Weightlifting, riding an exercise bike, and doing a variety of just physical exercises. And strength for life kind of helped me get back on my feet again. Um, and I think in those days I, I was isolated, but I didn't feel lonely. I was just by myself. I have the, the, my dear friend who shares this house with me, and we have one other dear friend. But that was it. I just didn't keep in touch, and nobody else did. So I think I was a bit isolated and self-obsessed, and I was losing my marbles. You know, and the, those fears are justified fears because there's a lot of unknown oh, yeah. in that. Yeah. So how do you navigate that unknown? Um, I started chatting to people and there was a coffee group and, and then I realized this is not enough. And I really just stumbled and I found that and I really just stumbled over a, a few counseling sessions that ECH was offering. And I think she's the one that showed me the ad for the COTA social connections. So I needed some connections. I needed encouragement. And I also needed to share that aging journey with some other people. I was a bushwalker, and I can remember when you were doing something really heavy and hard and trudging, you could look around, and the fellow travelers make it easier. So I was thrilled when I got accepted into this uh, social connections thing. And then the counselor turned out to be Lei Wun Kong, who we had met each other several years earlier in one of the classes I was teaching. And she remembered me. I didn't remember her. But I just felt such a sense of relief that she had seen me when I had all my brains and I wasn't fallen flat on my face because when she came along this time I was down so I didn't even realize really that it was a helper helpy type thing there was that personal thing and the sharing and Leywoon was fabulous she brought me leaflets and told me stories and not only that but she actually listened to my story she came with suggestions, a silly joke about something stupid, and all of the sort of warm, caring things that I didn't really know I needed. I would have ticked the box that said information, but in fact, I got so much more out of that connection. And she found me a really good article through Dementia Australia, which she strongly recommended and who I have now made as my new best friends. And they said that exercise can actually reverse the decline. And I think this is what helps some of my marbles find their way back home. Because in the last just three or four months, I have felt less stupid I haven't put the salt in the fridge so many times, and I've actually remembered things. So I think 
I'm smarter and it's a result of the exercise. She, she said, exercise is proven to be really effective. So not only was I doing Strength for Life by then, but I'd found a new doctor who recommended I join a, a knee program to develop my knees because I needed a knee replacement. And I'm absolutely thrilled because two or three months later, I'm really quite different. Mm. I love hearing your journey and what I think really shines through for me is your resilience even though you're talking about you were in a hole and you felt down and you know we go through that but you picked yourself up well I had help though and it doesn't matter whether I had met lay wound in the past or not in order to see her I had to get up and out I couldn't stay in my recliner I had to go to the coffee shop and then she helped me clarify what I need and made me wake up and look around and do my homework and then to get up and out there and find the help I needed. And I think without her, I might still be in the recliner or maybe lying down more comfortably still. Mm. What you just said then seemed it's interesting because I'm going to use the word profound again. You needed to be seen. I did. And and she saw you and respected you and then empowered you with information to make choices. That is exactly right. And the empowerment is so important because it's not just here's the information, but it's what are you going to do with it and how did you go last week and all of that stuff. So she helped me identify some groups and services that could be of help so I could develop the skills and abilities that I needed. And one of them, surprisingly enough, is IT. I had no idea how to relate closely to my telephone. I related a little bit to it and so on, but she put me on to the places that can do that, and I have just begun to do that in the last week again. So I finished seeing her in like in March, and this is, what, September, and I am still doing what Levun told me to do. <laughs> and, it, you know, and we, we often say these sayings, but they come across as a bit cliche, but they're so critically true, is that you have to take that first step. Yeah. Now, throughout this journey, we've obviously gone through a crazy unprecedented pandemic. Tell me about COVID. What's that been like navigating that for you? Well, it hasn't had a huge impact on me because I wanted to self-isolate. It did have a big impact because I had a trip to Bali planned. But in fact, what I did was I collapsed into my chair. It, it had a much bigger impact on my housemate who had retired last year and had two overseas trips planned and had to cancel both of them. And so it bothered her a lot more than it bothered me. But my dearest friend has gone off to the States to look after her mother, and there's no guarantee she'll get back. That worries me. But my own personal safety or isolation doesn't worry me. We've been so lucky in South Australia. I mean, we haven't been shut down much. It's been okay. I could still go to the gym. Now, if I hadn't been going to the gym, that would have been a different story because that has been my lifeline for the last nine or ten months. Mm. And it's interesting, though, because during prior to that, 
when you were collapsed in your chair, that was when probably the more of the lockdown may have impacted your gym. You know, if somebody's already feeling like they want to oh, stay in their sure. chair and then, yeah. oh, I can't go because uh-huh. COVID's an excuse. You know, it's oh, that sort yeah. of excuse to stay isolated. Oh, it could is it well. necessarily maybe you didn't mind, but should you have? <laughs> yeah, well, there is another question. Maybe I should have minded. Maybe I should have planted a little explosive under my chair to get me out. <laughs> But I was so pleased to recognize that an appointment will make me move. And so dementia is a bit of a taboo. Well, it is. And I'm starting to understand that there's a discrimination about dementia, particularly when I had had a little car accident and I had that finding myself lost in some place I knew. I thought, is this the end of my life? And although there was part of me that said, no, no, dear, this isn't the end of your life, there was another part deeper underneath that said, yeah, and you're going to rot in some terrible place. So I had that, that demon underneath. And when I talked to my new doctor, she said, now tell me about your anxiety and depression. And I said, I don't have anxiety. And then she let the, let the silence hang just until I started to squirm. And then she said, and what about this fear of, of the dementia getting you. And then she informed me that that was anxiety. Once I noticed the anxiety as a problem, I could say, ah, that's fear. Ah, maybe I don't have to engage with fear right now. And I'm starting to understand that I can still talk. I may be able to say something useful and help people see that you've lost a few marbles, but you're still in the game. And even now, I don't know enough about dementia because I've been busy pumping iron. (laughs) Well, Marg, thank you so much. I have enjoyed the window into your story. (laughs) You're most welcome. I'm delighted to share it. And thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Marg's story. While memory loss can be confusing and confronting, there are steps you can take to take care of yourself. Marg has found benefits from exercise. Strength for Life classes are available across South Australia and they are all about supporting people who are older to start or to keep going with exercise. Dementia Australia provides information and support services for people experiencing dementia and cognitive impairment. And remember, if you're concerned about memory loss, a good place to start is by talking with your GP. Thanks for listening to the Coder SA podcast, Voices on Ageing. Links to the resources mentioned in today's episode are included in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can catch every episode. Visit us at www.coderessay.org.au where you can browse our information, services and events and get involved with us. Voices on Ageing is produced by Narrative Marketing. We acknowledge the funding for this project from the Australian Government through the Adelaide Primary Health Network. I also want to acknowledge Coder SA's own Rachel Telfer who put this series together. And I acknowledge that Voices on Ageing was recorded on Ghana lands.